0: Welcome to the Ray of Hope Church Podcast. We believe that hope changes everything, so get ready for an encouraging message from the Word of God. We pray that you would receive wisdom and revelation as you grow in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. That was worth a price of admission, wasn't it? Thank you, Chris. Thanks, guys. Powerful, powerful. I'll tell you what, I'm glad I came to church today, aren't you? Wow you have your Bible, pick it up. We're going to go to the Old Testament, 2 Kings chapter 13, here in just a moment. We're going to complete our series, Lord willing, on a new season. Say that with me. It's a new season. Let's say it together. It's a new season. How many of you have ever been in a place you needed a new season? Yeah, I needed a change. I needed something to happen. I needed a turnaround. I, I needed a breakthrough. I needed a healing. I, I need deliverance. God specializes in that in our lives. Amen. Let's pray before we get started. Father, we thank you. We thank you for your goodness, your mercy, your greatness. Lord, speak to our hearts today. We are looking to you for help. We're looking to you for remedy. We're looking to you for inspiration. You are our God. You're the mighty God, the thrice holy God. You are God alone. And we bless you. We praise you. And we lift you up today. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Turn to your neighbors. I'm glad you're here today. Chapter 13, 1 Kings, verse 14. Elisha had become sick with the illness of which he would die. When Joash, the king of Israel, came down to him and wept over his face, he said, O my father, my father, the chariot of Israel, their horsemen. Elisha said to him, Take a bow and some arrows. So he took himself a bow and some arrows. And he said to the king of Israel, Put your hand on the bow So he put his hand on it, and Elisha put his hands on the king's hands, and he said, open the east window, and he opened it. Then Elisha said, shoot, and he shot, and he said, the arrow of the Lord's deliverance, and the arrow of deliverance from Syria, for you must strike the Syrians at Aphek until you have destroyed them. Then he said, take the arrows, and he took some, and he said to the king of Israel, strike the ground. So he struck three times, and he stopped. The man of God was angry with him and said you should have struck five or six times then you would have struck Syria till you had destroyed it. But now you will strike Syria only three times. You know, there there are times in our life that God opens the door. We have opportunity. We don't really go through that opportunity. Sometimes we think it's going to cost us more or it's not going to be what we think it should be. The other day, Carrie and I, matter of fact, a week from last Saturday, we went to Walmart, always fun. And Carrie said, What do we need? I said, We need peanut butter. So uh, we went to get peanut butter. When we checked out, it was $134. <laughs> How many of you ever went to Walmart for something and, and it was like a ton more than what you thought you were going to buy? And uh, so that, that's one of the things that we, we did. It was $134. Why do you remember that? I don't know. Peanut butter, $134. I'm not sure. But, but one of the things that happens in all of our lives is that as we transition, as we go through new seasons, then there is a cost, there is a passion, there is a price that we have to pay. Now I want to give you a little, uh, a little history lesson here, not that you don't know it. Uh, let, let's talk about Elisha. Elisha is the prophet after Elijah. So sometimes you get them confused, Elijah, Elisha. But remember, Elisha was the one who wanted the double portion from the prophet Elijah. Now, Elijah was powerful in his own right, but, but here comes Elisha. And the, I think the quintessential scene for Elisha, for most of us, is when he asks Elijah for the double portion and Elijah doesn't rebuke him, he tells him how to get it. He says, if you watch me go up, because he knew the Lord was going to take him home. And a fiery chariot separated the two prophets and Elijah was taken up in a whirlwind and as he went up he dropped the mantle which was symbolic of the anointing of the prophet and Elisha took the mantle and he headed back and as he crossed the Jordan River, he smote the river with the mantle and said, where is the God of Elijah and the water parts? How many of you know he knew he had the goods at that moment? Now, the ministry of Elisha, almost 60 years of ministry, was huge. He not only impacted individuals, he impacted nations. Can you believe with me that one person can impact a nation? A church, a family, a community, a school, a job site, uh, maybe somebody you don't even know. One person. And Elisha is going on this... uh, Epic ministry of 60 years, and he is curing, through the power of God, leprosy. He's raising the dead. He is directing armies. He captures armies by himself. I mean, this is a powerful, powerful man that is used by God. But uh, the time in this passage is the time of the divided kingdom. Many of you know that there is the northern kingdom, Israel, the southern kingdom, Judah. When Solomon died, there was a squabble among the family, and one took the northern, one took the southern. This is the time. And then the king here is the king of Israel. His name here is Joash or Jehoash, as you have him translated in other places. But look at verse 3. The anger of the Lord was against Israel because of their sin. Uh, let me tell you, sin will take us to a season that won't be good in our life. Amen? And you've been there, and I've been there. That season of sin, it, it seems pleasurable. It does last for a season, but it will take you further than you want to go, and make you pay more than you want to pay, and keep you longer than you want to stay, right? That's what sin does. It, it keeps us for a season. But notice there in that passage The Lord was against Israel because of the sin, but here's the good news. God gives people the opportunity to change. The grace of God appears to every man, and even under the old covenant, God's grace was there. We don't have to stay in a bad place. If you're in a bad place today, your attention please, don't stay there. No, don't stay in a place where you don't want to be today. Decide today, I am not going to stay in this place. Can I hear an amen? Amen. So they were in a bad place. But God can give us change. Sometimes we feel like we're locked into something. I I read this story recently. How many of you remember Paul Harvey? The rest of the story. I remember a story Paul Harvey told, and he he told it about a, a young man who his family came from Sicily. And there was generations of them that were fishermen, about 300 years. Uh, one followed in the fishing business, another one, then another one, and another one for 300 years. And then Joe decided, I don't want to follow in the fishing business because I really can't stand the smell of fish. And, and I go out on the boat and I get seasick. How many of you know a seasick fisherman is not a good fisherman? I mean, you're kind of green around the, the, the gills and you're chumming the fish over the side of the boat. Okay, let's not go there. <laughs> but, but Joe decided, uh, you know, I, I, I don't like this. I, I get sick at the smell of the fish. I get, I get seasick. And his dad began to say things like this. He said, to us, son, you're just good for nothing. You know, you, you, you can't fish with us. You, you, you can't go out with us. But, but Joe went a different direction. And you will know him. His name is Joe DiMaggio. And he became one of the greatest baseball players of all time because he decided, okay, I can't do this. I'm going to go a different direction. And it's ironic. Someone pointed this out to me this morning in the early service. You know what they called him? The Yankee Clipper. (laughs) They referred to him as a boat. And he didn't like boats, but he was called the Yankee Clipper. He decided, okay, I can't go this direction, but God has a way of giving his grace to move us out of that place. Look at verse 4. They're in a bad place. The Syrians are attacking them. Your attention, please. They're taking their cities. They're killing their people. They're taking them to servitude. But then the king sought the Lord. It's amazing to me how well I can pray when I'm in trouble. Isn't that true about you? I mean, when my kids get in trouble, boy, I can hit the floor. I can pray. If I'm in trouble, if I have an issue... Guess what? It'll drive me to prayer. Sometimes I ask my question, why don't I do that all the time? But trouble and conflict and the enemy will put you on your knees. It will humble you. It will cause you and I to seek God. And that's exactly what's happening here. There's getting ready to be a new season of deliverance for these people because the king is seeking the Lord. When trouble comes, we start seeking and looking for a new season. When disappointment comes, we start looking for a new season. When there is lack, when there's discontentment, when we feel like we're not growing, we're looking for a new season. But here is also some good news. God is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. So if we seek him in faith, guess what happens? He meets us. Can can God really answer the prayer and the seeking of a king who worships idols and a king who's leading the country the wrong way? Will God really turn his face to this king? And the answer is, yes, he did. Absolutely. You may ask the question, God, I'm so messed up. Can you even find me? Here's the good news. Yes, he can. He knows where you're at. God, can you forgive me of all the stuff that I've done? Yes, he can. You know how we know? Look at the person next to you. If he did it for us, guess what? He can do it for you. Because we've all had those issues. Nobody's perfect. If you're taking notes, let me just give you a few things here. Here's number one. A new season most likely will include a process. A new season for you and me most likely will include a process now I want you to see here how this process begins to come down in this passage now here's the king he goes to Elisha and notice how he approaches Elisha he says my father my father say that with me my father my father now let's all say it my father my father now Elisha is not his natural father but he's looking to Elisha as a spiritual father Not only a spiritual father personally, but Elisha is the spiritual father for the entire nation. And he's respecting him. Even though he hasn't in the past done what's right, he comes in respect. And then he also says, we're in trouble in Israel. The chariots, the horsemen, we are in trouble in Israel. How many of you know nations can get in trouble? America can be in trouble. So we need God's deliverance. And so Elisha says, king, get the bow, grab an arrow, open up the east window. And as the king took the bow and the arrow and he pulled it back, the Bible says Elisha put his hands on the king's hands. And he launched the arrow of deliverance out of the east window. You say, why the east window? That's the direction of Syria. That's where the Syrians are. So so he's shooting symbolically this arrow of deliverance toward the vicinity of the Syrians. And, and then he says this. He says, take the arrows and smite them on the ground some translations say that he wasn't just taking them in his hand and smiting them on the ground but he was taking the arrows out of the quiver and he was shooting them into the ground one after another after another so the king takes the arrows and three hits the ground and he stops it's interesting The process that Elisha takes him through. Do you realize that so many times in the Bible, God uses process? Let's let's just go back a little bit because this is not the first time Elisha's done this. Naaman comes to Elisha, and Elisha doesn't even go out to meet him, but he says, okay, here is the way you get your healing. I want you to go to the Jordan River, and I want you to dip in the river seven times. Do you realize it took process to take the city of Jericho? Joshua, this is what you do. You march around the city every day, seven days. It's a process. It's interesting that Jesus, with a blind man, spit on the ground, made mud, smeared in his eyes, and told him to go through process. Why does God do that? Lord, lay your hand on my head and zap me. I don't want to go through process. Can I hear an amen? amen. amen. You know, I thought about the, the blind man. Jesus spit on the ground, made mud, smeared in his eyes. you realize some of Jesus' DNA got in his eyes? Yeah. Carrie and I, for, for Christmas, I, I, I bought her the packet where we check our uh, ancestry. So we just got it in the mail the other day. We've got two packages, one for me, one for her. I'm not for sure if I want to know. I don't think our family tree forks. But, uh, but anyway, we were going to the hospital to make a visit, and so she got the, uh, the instruction manual out, and she's reading it. And uh, so she's getting the stuff out, and there's little plastic vials. And she said, we're supposed to spit... Up to the line. And she holds, I said, that's a lot of spit. All, all of a sudden, I just started going, <laughs> supposed to spit up to the line. I thought, well, okay. And uh, so Jesus spits on the ground, he makes mud, he smears in the eyes, and then he tells the guy, go wash in the pool of Siloam. Can you imagine this blind guy <laughs> with mud on his eyes? And he's groping through the streets of Jerusalem and he's trying to find the pool of Siloam. But guess what? When he washes his eyes, he came up seeing. And and, and when Joshua walks around the wall, the wall falls. And and when Naaman dips in the water, he comes up cleansed from his leprosy. You see, sometimes God says, Okay, Mike, I'm going to answer your prayer, but this is what I want you to do. There's process for you. Secondly, a new season should be embraced with passion and not with apathy. An Army uh, instructor over at Fort Sill gave this story. Do you realize Fort Sill is one of the biggest artillery training places in the world? And he told the story. He said, you know, I've had a lot of students go through the training over many years. And and I've trained soldier after soldier after soldier. I've trained thousands of soldiers at Fort Sill. And he said some of the soldiers were really engaged in what they're learning. Some of them could care less. They sleep during the class. They don't take notes. You know, you have to, you know, motivate them. But this is what he said. He said in the middle 60s, he said it was the most attentive group that I ever trained he said, they, they hung on every word I said. They took copious amounts of notes. They went to the field and they learned and they were engaged. And, and, and they, they, they heard every word I said. Someone asked, what's the difference? He said, here's the difference. Because that group in six weeks was going to be in Vietnam. And they knew they were going to face the enemy. If you're going to face the enemy, how many of you know you're going to have your ear turned? What do I need to do to win the victory? What do I need to do to be successful? Honey, if you're not hungry, you won't get a thing I say. But if you're hungry, you will hang on every word. If you need a breakthrough, you will hang on every word. If you need to push forward, you'll hang on every word. Because there's an enemy out there. We are learning today that we embrace this with passion and not apathy. Listen, if you get married, get married with passion. Well, oh, I deserve a better amen than that. I mean, if you go on the honeymoon, hey, act like you're excited. And try not to let that slip. Year one, two, three, four, five, six. I mean, we need to be passionate about our marriages. If you're having a new baby, be passionate about that. This is exciting. This is great. If you're pursuing God, be passionate about that. If the Spirit's directing you somewhere else, be passionate about that. Why? Because six dips is not enough, Naaman. You've got to do the seventh. I'm convinced he was just as leprous when he came up on the sixth dip as he was before he even got in the water. Joshua, six trips around the walls not enough. you got to make seven trips around the wall. How many of us have been guilty? Colluding myself. We put forth the effort and the effort and the effort and the effort and all of a sudden we got tired or we were discouraged. We didn't hear what we wanted to hear. It didn't work out like we thought it would work out. And God is saying, hey, keep passionate about this. Naaman, if you will keep dipping, I will answer your prayer. Joshua, if you'll keep walking, I'll answer your prayer. Don't stop. If you don't get anything else this morning, don't stop. It's a new season. It's a new season. God is bringing us to a new season. Don't stop. It's interesting that Sometimes we don't recognize our season. It's there, but we don't see it. I was reading the other day, you know the story. David, he was uh, running from Saul. Saul's hunting him down like a dog. And through the process, people are, are attaching themselves to King David. And so before David ascends to the throne, people are identifying with him. And so we have the mighty men of David. Then the Bible says there are people from the different tribes come out and identify with David. And it's interesting that most of the words talk about men of war. Did you read about there were men who could sling a stone with their right hand or their left hand? And there were people who were good with swords and javelins and spears. And, and so there's this whole litany of people. Tribesmen and people are coming out. And then you get down, and there's a group of people from the tribe of Issachar. And it doesn't say they were good with slings or stones or swords or javelins or spears, but it does say this they had the understanding of the time and the season to know what Israel ought to do. Let me tell you what's important. When you know the right time, when you know the right season, here, Joash is with the elder statement, Elisha. It would be the last time we have recorded that anybody is with him when he's alive. And he strikes the ground or he shoots the arrows in the ground three times. And he stops. And Elisha is a little bit out of shape. Matter of fact, the Bible says he's angry. Now, here's something just to note. Elisha never told him how many times to strike the ground. Do you notice that? But this is what we do know. Now, I'm just going to kind of give you a little history here. Evidently, there was a quiver full of arrows. We know there was a bow, at least four arrows, because one, he shot out the window. Three, he probably shot into the ground. But do you realize, in that day and time, that a quiver would hold anywhere from 20 to 40 arrows? 20 to 40 arrows. What are we doing having stuff still in our quiver and not using it. What are we doing having things in the arsenal and we don't use it? What are we doing having gifts and talents and and callings and anointings and we don't use it? This is an indictment of a man who half-heartedly used what was at his disposal and Elisha says, Oh, no! You were only going to defeat the Syrians three times. You could have wiped them completely out and not had this battle anymore. But you have half-heartedly embraced this. Don't miss your opportunity. Don't miss your window opening. Don't miss Don't stop short. Keep going. Keep pursuing. Do it with passion. Can I hear an amen? Amen. Look at verse 20. It's interesting. The Bible says Elisha died. Said that with me. Elisha died. Let's say it again. Elisha died. Boom, he's gone. Last encounter. All of a sudden, Elisha dies. Now, What's really interesting about this story is because we have a little bit at the back end of it. We don't know what sickness Elisha had. We don't know what disease he had. Uh, I believe God can heal everyone, don't you? But the last one, he didn't. And so when people say, well, you know, great men and women of God will never have a sickness in their life, that's probably not true. But by faith, we know God's an overcomer and a healer. But Elisha died. And they buried him. But the next story we have is very interesting. The Bible says at time the Moabites were making raids on Israel. So they would come in, I mean like terrorists, they'd come in to pillage, rape, kill, destroy, murder. And so there's a funeral procession. They're going out to the cemetery. They're going out where the tombs are. They're going to bury this guy. So here's his friends, his family, his buddies. They got him. They're getting ready to bury him. And all of a sudden, a marauding group of Moabites come in, they look up, they're headed their way, and this is what they did. They tossed him in the first tomb they could find and they ran away. But it just so happened that the tomb was the tomb of Elisha. <laughs> and the Bible says that when his dead body landed on the bones of Elisha, he got up. How would you like to be in that funeral? It would be so cool. So, it doesn't tell anything other than that but, but <laughs> I always picture in my mind that these men throw him in to a tomb. He lands on the bones of Elisha. He resurrects, comes alive again, looks around. That's not where I want to be. He comes out of the tomb. His buddies are running, and he says, Hey, guys, wait for me. I'm right after you. I would have run faster. <laughs> now the Moabites are after me, and the zombie guy's after me. I mean, he probably shows up at, you know, town and all of a sudden everybody's saying, I, didn't we just bury you? Didn't we just get rid of you? I, I was at the service, you know, an hour ago. Well, I'm back. <laughs> Why is he back? Let me share this with you lastly. Let the new season in your life not only give you a change for you, but a change for everybody Around you. Do you realize God can put something in you and on you that's bigger than you? That yeah. not only will it affect you and your wife and your husband and your children, how many of you know there could be a greater ripple effect around you? I mean, you you throw the pebble on the still water of the pond and the ripples begin to go out and out and out and out, and they go further and further and further. May your life be like that pebble that the ripples of your life keep going and going and going and going even after your death. That your influence, your anointing, your position, what you've done will go on even after you die. Isn't that interesting? God is giving us something that can affect the people around us even after we're dead. Do you realize you can be the answer to somebody's prayer? You can be the answer to somebody's miracle. You can be the answer for somebody changing their life. Cheryl, I told this story in the early service, and Dow was here, and he didn't uh, reprimand me, so I'm going to tell it again. Several years ago, I got a call from Cheryl. We went to high school together. And uh, she said, Mike, can you come to our house? down and I are not doing so good right now. And I said, sure, will be right there. So I got in the car, and I, and I drove to down and Cheryl's home. And I'm not saying there were high heels spiked into the sheetrock, but uh, it was kind of that... Uh, that atmosphere. They had had some intense fellowship before I got there. Y'all are so holy. Carrie and I have had that same type of fellowship before. Anybody here married? Y'all are stinkers. And I got there and we visited, we prayed. Most of you know the story. Dow and Cheryl's life radically changed. God does that. It's what he does. And a few years later, uh Dow comes and Cheryl come to church here. Later on, we put them on staff. And, and over the years, I've watched this precious couple influence marriages. In classes, funerals, tragedy, hospital. God just didn't change their life. He changed their life to change other people's lives. Elisha's dead and buried and maybe even forgotten, but how many of you know God still had a power on his life that even the dead was affected by him even after he was gone? That's what I believe for everybody here. When you're dead and gone, if the Lord tarries, I want you to still have great influence even after you're dead. With your children, your grandchildren in this church, in this community, in our world, folks, we need to have some people who are willing to say, this is not just about me. This is about reaching people around me. This is about reaching my generation. This is about reaching people beyond me. And we have a great opportunity to do that. You know why because we're in a new season you've been changed I've been changed by the power of Almighty God listen we we have the ability to change our families we have the ability to have a new season in our schools we have the ability to have a new season among teenagers in our community at the workplace in our county in our state in our nation in our world who does God use to do that people angels don't do that Pilgrims don't do that. Denominations don't do that. People do that. That's us. God's bringing us into a new season that if we don't faint, if we don't get weary, if we don't stop on number six or five or three or two, if we will get to completion, we can change people's lives. Why? Because our lives were changed if your life is not changed it's hard for you to change anybody else's life but God changes lives and this king the rest of the story is this did he defeat the Syrians yeah he did guess how many times three times and after that it was over Do you realize right now, while you sit in your seat, there is a Syrian conflict going on right now. Right now, there's a Syrian conflict going on. There will always be conflicts going on, but God help people like us. To have enough faith, if we pursue Him, if we diligently seek Him in faith, He is a rewarder of those who seek after Him and search after Him, not just to change you, but to change everyone around you. You can't save them, I know. I can't save them, but how many of you know we can create such an atmosphere that will affect everybody around us? That's what we can do. That's what you can do. We can all do that. But sometimes we just have to step in to a brand new season. And when you get hungry enough, you'll start seeking it. Would you bow your head with me? We are so thankful you joined us today. We would love to hear from you at rayofhopepodcast at gmail.com. Let us know how you are encouraged and how we can pray for you. Remember, Christ in you is the hope of glory. And hope changes everything.